0: Welcome in to another edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Professor Burgess and Bussey here. Uh, Of course, we're handing out degrees and common sense. Of course, that has become now a superpower. Uh, But Bubba today, uh, our our new friend is going to join us, and and we're going to unpack one of our favorite topics, and that, of course, is officiating. Uh, We will talk more about that, but... uh, uh, I, I think that Mike
2: thinks we're friends. We certainly think we are. Oh well, we do. We yeah. do for sure. Mike Piera. Yep. am I saying this name? Yep. I yep. know the last no, name. You was sound there.
1: like Kilmeade. <laughs> you sound kind of like Kilmeade when you I, call me
2: Piera. For I, I knew I was going to mess it up, and I was already paranoid because <laughs> Brian Kilmeade had messed it up. <laughs> <laughs> say it, Mike. Say it right for
1: Pereira.
2: Pereira
0: Pa, rare, rare. Think about th- think
2: about Pa, and then the way we like steak, rare. Pereira, right. Pereira, yeah, Mike. Pereira. So, Mike, uh, the USFL, uh, we're, we're trying this again. We're when we're recording this, we're heading into week number eight. And before we get into officiating and things on the field, give us your your general thoughts on the league and how the season is going so far.
1: Well, I, you know, to me, it's about surprises, not necessarily expectations, and. um I'm, I'm surprised at the level of play. Uh, the level of play starting out in week one I thought was pretty good, but it has gotten so much better as the season is worn on. They brought in some new people. Um, the offenses have gotten a little bit more dynamic. The points per game were clearly a surprise to me because we didn't put in defensive restrictions that limited the n- number of times and where a team could blitz from. Um, we were all concerned about, would the quarterbacks be protected? Would there be a gazillion sacks? But I think the league did the smart thing in round one. They devoted it clearly, actually, round two. Round one was the quarterbacks. Round two was offensive linemen. And and um, the point totals have been incredible. We're averaging over 40 points of game, which out defensive restrictions is terrific. So as I watch it week to week, and I watch it from – the replay center here in Los Angeles. Um, I marvel at the talent level of players who haven't been able to get into the NFL. And I, I, I would venture to say that even the NFL might be a bit surprised by what they've seen. And I'm, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of our players that do get invited to their camps this summer. And so um, it's been competitive. I mean, the average differential points per game is eight and a half, which makes it a one score game. Right. We had an overtime game, which was kind of fun. Um, it's just really, it's really been good. And, and I will say this too: the people of Birmingham have been unbelievable. And the support that they've shown the Stallions when the Stallions are playing um, has been terrific. And I know our players have enjoyed it. Our coaches have enjoyed it. And um, it's it's all in all, I'll tell you, Bubba, it's it's really been a very pleasant surprise for me. Mike,
2: l- l- let me ask you about the ratings, the numbers. Uh, you 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 know, were you you're behind the curtain with the league officials? Are they happy uh, with where it's at? From what we're reading in the press, uh, the ratings are uh, you know at least as good as what they expected. So it's not been a failure by any measure on that part. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think last week you had a rating spike. So uh, things are, are looking good as the competition gets down here to the last few games trying to get into the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think the, the, those are about – I think the ratings are about what they expected. It's very, it's very hard to judge the ratings because you basically have five different networks that are showing games. You have Fox, Fox Sports 1. then you have NBC, Peacock, and USA. Your biggest numbers are going to come from either NBC, their national telecasts, or Foxes. And you understand this. A a big part of ratings is what leads into the game. So if you have a NASCAR race, for example, that ends and then leads right into the football game, you capture a lot of those NASCAR fans who will stay and and, uh, stay on and watch football for how long, I don't know if they'll stay the whole game, but they will certainly engage in a major portion of it. Same way if there's coming off a, a baseball game, but you know, it's it's difficult. Some of the obstacles are, is that you've got, don't have consistent windows. You know, sometimes you have a four hour difference between one game to the next, another time you might have six or seven hours. So it's hard to keep a, continuing, a continuous audience, but, I mean, if you look at the plan, if there is a plan, it was never a one-year plan. Um, This was a plan, essentially, in my mind, from what I was told, it was a three-year plan. So what you have to do is you have to establish a basis, and that's what year one is going to do, um, both in ratings and also in attendance. And then you look at that first year basis and then you work on that in year number two, and it's then it's got to show improvement. And I think we've all learned a lot, um, and that includes in the scheduling aspect of it and the whole bubble type thing of playing everything in Birmingham, where we might go from there at some point in time. But um, I, I, I've been involved in the AAF. Um, I've been involved in failed spring leagues. Um, this one to me is not a failure and will be ongoing. And my gosh, the people in Birmingham clearly deserve that with the way that they have uh, backed this league. So I, I think I really feel good, really feel good about the future. Well,
0: when you when you think about the, the plan of doing, you know, the hub format and you pick Birmingham and, and we, of course, know that Birmingham is one of the best-kept secrets, uh, uh, you know, in the country. And and I knew that it would be a pleasant experience for everybody. And there's a lot of football knowledge here, too, mainly on the college side. But still, there's a love of the game of football. And certainly, the NFL does well here uh, also. But the hub format certainly gives the league a good chance to get its legs under it, too. Now, for the teams that are not Birmingham, I know the stadium – Uh, has not – there haven't been much of a response of filling up those seats. But for for the fact that Birmingham is undefeated and has already clinched a playoff spot, uh, that's good for the league because that keeps getting the Birmingham fans there and then they may try to check some of the other teams. Is there any timeline about leaving the hub format and the teams have home and away – uh, is that a, a absolutely, we're going to do that in year two, or that's our goal, but it has no particular timeline? Which one?
1: I don't think there's necessarily anything that is concrete. I think you will look at all the options available, um, you know, going into year two. I mean, might you have two hubs? Um, and, and that that could be a possibility, doing something like that. I don't see it branching out to where you have, eight different teams playing and at eight different cities and with you know that whole expense factor is huge when you do that so um i think it's baby steps and baby steps might be a second hub so you'd have four teams maybe in birmingham and maybe four teams somewhere else and then you'd at least it would be a hub city would be similar to birmingham could be it would be one of the teams that are in the league now whether it's Michigan or Houston or whatever it might be so you'd have a second site where there would always be a home crowd um, I, I again it's big picture with the uh, with the owners the networks basically and um, I, I think they're smart smart people much smarter than I am and and they'll take the right course and it's a three-year plan and I, I just I think when, we, when it's all said and done, we will all sit down together afterwards and say, it's kind of like the rules. What did we do well and what did we not do so well in? And we've had to change some rules because um, I think in, in our initial thoughts, what might have worked didn't. And I think that's probably gonna happen when we sit down after, after this season ends and talk about year two.
0: Yeah, which goes on with officiating. This has been your world in officiating. I mean, really every level of football has the off-season meetings and says, let's talk about some rules we need to adjust. So that's not uncommon. And I do like the fact, because one of the things that concerned me about doing another professional spring league was I was like, we got to do something different because I think we're looking for a different response. In the history of spring leagues, no one's exceeded that third season. Um, and, and so let's not do it the way that it's been done before exactly because we know that may not play. And I think the hub is one of the things that I, I see the USFL doing saying, look, you know it, some markets do well, some don't, but those that don't do well suck the life out of the league. So let's let's keep our expenses and our overhead down and not not make the mistake of that in the past. But like you said, maybe even a, a southern hub and a northern hub. Uh, you know, you have one in the South, you have one in the North and, and kind of see if you can pull from two different areas.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, the thing is when you watch the games and, um, and obviously I'm so involved in the games on the games that don't have Birmingham in them, you don't have very many people in the stands yet. The players play their butts off. They do because it doesn't make any difference whether there's 10 people in the stands or 15,000 people in the stands. These players are playing for another chance. They're, they're playing to try to hook up with the team, you know, to be invited to their, their training camp. So it's, in many cases, it's their, maybe their last opportunity, it's their last shot. And so the enthusiasm of the players has been like almost too enthusiastic. I mean, mm-hmm. we've had to kind of tamper down a little bit, the emotions that are going on the field. Anytime you have a hub like we have here in Birmingham, you know, the players all get to know each other and then you get out in the field and you start banging heads together and then tempers flare and the game gets a little chippy and we we kind of had to address that after week three um, to try to keep emotions in check and it's kind of worked. But the players themselves are just playing really hard and distinguishing themselves and, you know, I, I just, I, I'm amazed. I really am amazed at the level of play And I and, and you hear that. You hear about, two things you hear about the level of play and then you hear what, what you just said, Rick, the difference in the broadcast, we've we've got overhead cameras. We've got in, you know, we've got microphones on so many people. We have helmet cams. We've got the, we've got all this stuff that is completely different. So the broadcast and the number of cameras that we have been using throughout the course of the season presents a game just as it should be presented, not as a minor league game, but as a major league game. Drones flying over, man. I, if I was like an official, I'd be scared to death. Those things fly right in front of you sometimes. Um, <laughs> but it's all in presenting the game a little bit differently, and um, you know. So uh, it's 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 really cool to me, and I don't. I wish I, I wish I got a little more, a few more opportunities to spend time talking to players. But on my little show that I do, I had Scooby Wright on yesterday. And just to listen, he's the Birmingham defensive player who's like maybe the face of the league with his shark dog, half shark, half dog. He's um, crazy. (laughs) Um, They're just really cool to to have in our league.
0: Mike Pereira is our guest. We'll come back when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, continues. All right, so our guest is Mike Pereira. He is uh, currently the head of officiating for the United States Football League Uh, Of course, he's worked with the NFL, spent 14 years officiating college football games, nine years in the Big West Conference, and five years in the Western Athletic Conference, and then moved up to the NFL for two seasons as a side judge and on the officiating crew. Uh, And of course, um, he's been an NFL supervisor of officiating and is now doing it for the new Spring League, and he's our guest and and, and a new friend, so we're spending some time with him today on the podcast.
2: Mike, let let me ask you this. You you mentioned... uh, We'll, we'll kind of move from overview to a few things happening on the field that you've had some rule changes during the season. Uh, would you address a few of those? And one of them uh, that probably got more headlines than some of the others has been noted as the Jeff Fisher rule. I was actually <laughs> watching the game when this happened. Uh, can you kind of set that up and, and tell us about it and some of the other changes we've seen midseason?
1: Well, I mean, (laughs) the Jeff, the Jeff Fisher rule is when, you know, we have the extra point, try. You can go for one, two or three, right? And, um, and one is a traditional one point kick where you snap it from the 10, two, you can go for a scrimmage play for two points from the two. If you want to go for three, you snap it from the 10. If you make it, you get three points. So Fisher, he decided that he wanted to go for just the one point extra point try. And he told us, he said, we're going to go for one. And then all of a sudden he took stock of the fact that his kicker couldn't make it if you lined it up right in front of him one foot from the (laughs) goal post. He was liable to miss it left. And so he said, wait a minute. I I don't, I don't, I'm calling timeout. I want to change and go for two. And we told him, you can't do that. We set the rule that said that once you told us what you were going to do, you can't change. And um, so he called me the next day and he said, (laughs) that doesn't make any sense. And I said, why does it make any sense? He said in any other aspect of the game, if I want to change something, I can use a timeout. If I want to change the position of the ball in a kickoff after you've made it ready for play, I can change it. If I call a timeout. And so I said, well, yeah, you're right. And I said, so let me take this to the rules committee. And so the rules committee, which often is, um, one person. Um, Sometimes it's two, maybe three. Um, We discussed it and said, yeah, Fisher's right. Um, Let's let a team use a timeout to change their option as long as they haven't (laughs) snapped the ball. So thus became the Jeff Fisher rule. And it did get the most notoriety in terms of our rule changes. But the thing is, the other one, which was the biggest one to me, our games were running longer than we thought they were going to run. We have a 35-second play clock. We thought we would get more plays and less time. And what we did was we got more plays, but we got more incomplete passes. And so with the clock being stopped, instead of our games being two hours and 45 minutes to three hours at the max, we were running 3.06, 3.10, 3.03. And so we kind of said – how are we going to get this into that window that the networks are looking for that three hour window? So we said, well, maybe let's go with something we had talked about originally, if needed, could, could we wind the clock after incomplete passes? And so we said, okay, we'll do this. We'll change the rules and we'll wind the clock after incomplete passes in the first and third quarters. And it achieved, um, somewhat of a success, um, but still didn't really get it down to where we think we want to be. If you look at the past weekend that we had week seven, we did have one game at 250, two hours and 50 minutes. We had another one at 2.52. And then we had an overtime game, which obviously lasted longer at 3.16, but the times were a little bit better. But still, I think, What we want to do is eliminate dead time. We're trying to eliminate dead time and give fans as much action as you can put into a 60 minute game. And so again, looking forward, Bubba, I mean, we might think about winding the clock after an incomplete pass, even in the second and fourth quarter up to a specific time, maybe up to five minutes to go in the second quarter and five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. But to me, to me, that was probably more significant than the than the Jeff Fisher, um, you know, um, rule to let him change his mind. You know, I, I got I have to be careful to let coaches change their minds. I have to be very careful about letting Jeff Fisher change his mind. Yes, um, because he studied under Buddy Ryan. Um, he's got a number of trick plays under his sleeve, and anytime he says something to me like. You know, I think this makes sense to do this. I have to look deeper beyond the sense <laughs> to see if he might be gaining some type of, of advantage here. But in this case, um, it, it was it was the right change.
2: Yeah, he's a pretty smart cookie. You, uh, Mike, you, you also changed the rosters a little bit to give him a little a few more players.
1: Yeah, and I think I think that was really smart from a player safety, you know, rule and a player safety outlook. Really. Um, coaches really wanted that. And again, you're looking at, we were at 38 active and 45 total when you count the seven inactives and, and the coaches were asking for more for both practice and for game. Um, you know, it's you so many players that were playing offense and special teams and, and all of that. And, you know, same way. Same way in the concept of the bubble, you limited the numbers because you did want to somewhat limit your costs. And, um, and you know, the players are paid fairly well. And so there was a lot of discussion leading up to the decision um, to um, expand it to actually 40 active players and 50 total and a lot of that too benefits because players now in the NFL were getting cut at, off of practice squads and there was the ability to pick up some, you know, some players coming off of that roster or off of that, at least maybe taxi squad. So, um, you, you know, the, the one thing you have to do in a spring league, and I think you probably all realize this, I mean, it's new and you've got to listen to everyone involved. You have to listen to the coaches. You have to listen to the players and um and and you know use their input to make the decision and if it makes any kind of economic sense you know to give a better product to have a better product and to involve more players then you do so and so i applaud daryl johnston and um and brian woods and eric shanks and everybody involved in the leadership of this group to listen to the coaches and uh and do that. They just need to expand the replay center and give the replay center guy a little bit of help. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he sits by his lonesome self in the replay yep. center and, uh, and tries to make decision. I, I, my, my career as a part-time NFL rules analyst seems to have morphed into a foot full-time USFL, NFL, NCAA. I've forgotten what it likes to go. What it's like to go home, as a matter of fact.
0: <laughs> yeah. What on, on that? It seems to me, because you know, uh, approaching it. And, and by the way,
1: what what is the the league salary? Is it is yeah, it? Yeah. What do the
0: players? Yeah, make what What league? do the players make?
1: Um. They basically make forty five hundred dollars a game, okay. and then they there there is a a winning share for each of the games. So. You know, obviously, it depends if you win and lose it. But if you look at a ten game ten game season, you're looking at forty five fifty thousand dollars plus the bonuses that you'll get for winning.
0: So yeah, so that that is, that especially with these players, that are looking. But when when you're talking about the the replay center, I think one of the things that people we want the calls to be right. But when when looking at replay entered into the the world of sport, one of the complaints was pretty quick back to what you're talking about about the game length. It takes too long. Well, well, yeah. How long does it take to make this decision? I mean, we can all see it. I mean, we see what happened. Why? Are, why is it taking so long? Do you feel like, and I do, from the games I've watched um, on TV, it seems like we you've done a good job of speeding that process up. Do you think that'll catch on everywhere?
1: Well, I, I hope so. It's just that the way that I approach it is different. I mean, yeah. I, I I go back, and you might remember Mike Patrick, you know, who did the original. Monday night football games on ESPN or Sunday night football games on ESPN. When replay came in in 99 and I was working for the league at the time, um, I heard him say on air that already in year number one, they're overanalyzing. Replay should be something that when you look at it in replay, you look at it the first time and you see it's wrong on the initial look it's that obvious, then you change it. Right. If you have to look at it, run it back and forth yeah. and back and forth and frame by frame, it's not obvious, leave it. And that's the approach that I've taken, you know, in our replay center here. Um, I don't want three-minute stops. Matter of fact, I don't even want stops anywhere. Right. I mean, I, I very quickly tell the referee that if there is a call that might have the potential to be reviewed, I mean, I can tell in 15 seconds. And and I, if it's not obvious that it's wrong, I'm going to let it go. And that's the way, to me, it should be. Some Somebody criticized me for not stopping the game because a ruling on the field was a completed pass. But it was clearly incomplete. You could see that the ball hit the ground. It was a five-yard completion. <laughs> I mean, it didn't involve a first down. It didn't – and so, like – why are we going to stop a game for three minutes and you know and and go through that whole process? And if you, my nickname um, in, with all the referees is Mayday. That's my calling name. So Mayday. When I need to give them some input or when I need to stop the game, I yell Mayday, and that's their indication that they need to stop and get some input from me. So now I'm not even called Piero. I'm called Mayday uh, <laughs> you know, by, by all the officials. By the and, way, that needs but, to be our nickname for anybody. But Mayday, yeah. May with me, I mean, I will say, like, if I need to stop it, if I need to stop a game, I've already made my decision. So I just tell them, you know, hey, we're going to reverse this to an incomplete pass. Let's set it up and let's go. So we don't even have co- the, the take commercial breaks, so we can do it that quickly. And I listen. I don't. I think the NFL is fantastic. But I do think the minutia that yes. we've gone through in terms of trying to analyze a play, you know, the receiver was going to the ground. Did the ball move? Did, it move? <laughs> yeah. Did the laces move? Did it turn over? If it's not obviously wrong, then let's not change it. Let's move on. And I've, I've tried to, and I think I've successfully, you know, kept that philosophy in view the whole time this season and saved some time that way.
0: We'll be back. We'll continue our conversation with Mike Pereira. When Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continues. Raycon is back, Bubba. Raycon, just yesterday, uh, I, I was uh, I was trying to do a little better, moving around a little bit. I noticed that somebody there uh, had, uh, had earbuds in, and I noticed quickly they were Raycons. You know why? He didn't look ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> there was nothing hanging out of his ears. They do they, fit they,
2: very, very they, well. They
0: fit perfectly. And I and I rolled over because I had to do a signal. Right. Because of the noise cancellation, he had it on that mode. Uh, and I, I walked over and I said, "Are those are those uh, Raycons?" He said, "Absolutely." Uh, and I said, "Do you love them?" He said, uh, "Absolutely." And then we got another email this week uh, talking about Raycons again. Look, the Raycons everyday earbud, it, the look, the feel, the sound, better than ever. Optimized gel tips with that perfect in-ear fit. I mean, he was working out, moving around, and they didn't move. Uh, these earbuds are so comfortable, and they will not budge. I uh, saw this firsthand yesterday. Trust me. Uh, Raycons offer three sound profiles. I know, Bubba, you like the. Uh, I know you like the one with the, on the bass uh, mode. Bring me the bass. Yeah, bring baby. me the bass. Let I gotta have bass. that bass. Oh. But back to the noise isolation. You can decide. Do I want noise isolation, so I don't hear anything in the room, or do I want the awareness mode, meaning? You know, I need to be able to hear something. Somebody's calling me or whatever. I can do either one. Uh, So you set it the way that you want to. Uh, And, boy, do I love them. You love them, and you're going to love them too. Eight hours of playtime, 32-hour battery life. And, And let me tell you this. When you need to charge it, it's super easy. Even I can do it, and you do it wirelessly. That means it's easy. It's easy. Uh, and with Raycons, you get the same quality audio as the other premium auto brands, auto brands, audio brands. Come on, Rick. But you know what <laughs> you don't get from the other audio brands? What's that? That price. About half the price of the others. Come yes. On. And we're going to get you an additional 15% when you go to buy Rick Bubba Pod. Today, get 15% off your Raycon order by com slash Rick Bubba Pod. By slash Rick Bubba Pod.
2: Mike Pereira is our guest. Better on known this, as Mayday. Mayday on this edition of Rick and Bubba University the Podcast. Bubba, you had a follow-up question well, on, on replay. I did, and I hope Mike doesn't fall asleep on an airplane and wake up screaming Mayday. He <laughs> could cause some issues there. <laughs> uh, but, but, Mike, I, I'm going to tell you, one of the things that I enjoy the most about this, I, I enjoy hearing the coaches call yeah, plays. me too. But I enjoy hearing you talk to the referees. And, and I've I've really liked that part, and I hope you all continue to air that.
1: Yeah. And and I think I think we will. I, I think the danger the danger in it is I, I never know when they're putting mm. me on air. Mm. I mean, because <laughs> they can eavesdrop anytime they want. So I'm like, I gotta be very careful about what I'm saying or very careful about I never even know when the camera goes on, you know, and I, I don't wanna be caught eating shrimp when I should be like <laughs> analyzing the, the game. But you know, I I it's to me it's about you know opening up the envelope and transparency and to be able to hear the conversations that go on and mine are a little unique with them because these are basically college officials now eight of them are going into the NFL this season but the rules are different and so yeah. sometimes I have to step in whether it's a clock issue or a penalty enforcement issue but I I think it's it's interesting for the viewers to actually hear their side of what they saw on the field and so um, and that was one of the big things with fox when they you know asked me to do this um it was their idea of having this replay center although i had suggested that um a couple of years ago when they were talking about the spring league but i, I think it's been it's been exciting and it it has it has been fun for me and it's it's kind of been fun and and i really learned to like some of these officials that i hadn't known before getting involved in this usfl program and so i've made a few friends and i probably made a few enemies when i told (laughs) them that your call was awful we're going to pick up the flag um but um but it's been generally it's been good
0: Well, and I do like the name Mayday better than Mikey Rubooks. by the way. Yeah, Um,
1: yeah, I do, too. And by the way, I want to be – how long before – because this is like a key question that came up to me. It just came up in my mind um, when we started this. How long before I become an old friend? I mean, um, yeah. You have two, to be a new two. friend for the rest of my life. Yeah. Or? Well, we yeah.
2: got to go eat one time. Yeah, I, we, I think you have yeah. to break bread. Uh, well, we, not oh, okay. Not, All in, right.
0: not until we eat. And we're not coming to where you are to eat. You're going to come here because this is where better food is. <laughs> yeah, I, I grant you that. All yeah. right. But, uh, I, you know, I was thinking so that you don't know when you're on, and that, that kind of kills my plan. If you knew when you were on, I, we were going to kind of suggest, you know, and this gets you to old friend status here, too. Is for you to go, you know. All right, they've got me potted up. Yeah, I mean, it's like I was telling Rick and Bubba, guys, we got to pick that flag up. You know, you drop something in about us. You know, when I was on the Rick and Bubba show the other day, guys, we talked about this, you know, and but I, if you don't know, there's no passive shout out. Yeah, there's no way to do a passive shout out if you don't know when you're on.
1: Yeah, but but there's, there's an easier way. I mean, you know, Bubba's one of the great football minds in the world. Absolutely. He needs to propose a rule change. I mean, well, if, well, I a, if he could propose a rule change, then I mean it could be the Rick and Bubba rule change. Forget about it. well, yeah, my friends Rick and Bubba. We could oh, talk about wow. okay, today we we voted on the proposal from Rick and Bubba. And uh and and this this proposal was so good it failed unanimously. <laughs> but at least at least it would get you a mention on the air. We did uh, have about
2: it. Mike, this is one I have I have railed go, about for years, okay? Yep. We we want the game to move along, and we have to have a play clock. We all acknowledge that. But think about this. When a team is taking too long to get a playoff, what do we do? We stop the clock to tell everybody they're taking too long, reset, have to do – and it takes even more time. So my thought on the delay a game penalty is you let the play go and you penalize them a timeout. And if they're out of timeouts, then you can do something else. But – just let the play go. That way, you don't stop the clock, and uh, and not only do you delay the game, you delay the game telling people they delayed the game.
1: Well, Bubba, that's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. You said great football, mine. You were right. That's pretty. That's pretty. That's pretty good. Yeah, we well, got about as much chance of that getting through as I do with the with the wheel landing on me. <laughs> I, I i gotta i got fast not bad but though that's not bad that's at least we're thinking i gotta think about that because it is you're right it defeats the purpose that's why we have a 35 second clock but i tell the officials to give them a little bit of leeway yeah. at the end give yeah. them a a second second and a half but y- you know we we do get a lot of delay of game penalties and every penalty is a stop look at I, we ended up having more penalties than I thought we would have. Um, you know, we had one game where there were 21 penalties, and and that makes games longer. Clearly, makes games longer. The last game uh, was it the third game this past week. We only had three, and that game, whew, whew, man, yep. yeah. it it uh, it flew through and was done in two minutes and 50 seconds. But Bubba, we gotta, we gotta, we have the, we have the think about that maybe we could even think okay we could say we could say okay this starts with bubba we could give you the rick and bubba rule change but maybe we say okay first time you exceed the play clock it's strike one yeah we don't stop the play but it's strike one we just issue a strike one don't stop the game to do it second time it's a strike two and maybe third time it's a penalty
2: Yeah, Um, something like that, because to me, it's mm -hmm. always just made no sense to tell the team, you're taking too long, so we're going to take more time to tell you you took too long. <laughs> I just never really got that in any game. Okay, Bubba,
1: you. Bubba yeah. I would say this. Don't propose any more rules because that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you're hot right now. I don't want you to, when you're hot, want uh, you to go backwards. I, just
2: wait till I get to the back of the book here.
0: Oh, baby. <laughs> do, do you think I, – I know uh, – well, I'll tell you. We, we'll, when we come back, I want to talk to you. About because you you've been at this a while now, and officiating, of course, is a part uh, of the game that is important. But but there's there there's a there you you have to be looking. For, you know, there's gift. There's gifts that have to be available if you're going to be an official, too. Some people are not cut out to be officials. And when we come back, I want to talk about some of the things that, that you look for and, you know, how do you feel about the bunch that you've got right now? Because you said some of these guys are going to move on to the NFL when we come back on uh, this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Bubba, do you have outdoor furniture at home? Oh, yes. Have you noticed, and we did, and this drives um, Sherry and I crazy, you go to get outdoor furniture, you get it out of a showroom, so it's really not outdoors. And even if you see it out there on, on some outdoor uh, you know, presentation, they put it back indoors. So you really never see outdoor furniture being used outdoors. And when you buy it, a lot of times you get home and, and the stuff stains or it's not as durable as you hoped. I want to introduce you to a sponsor that I have been so excited about. It's called Outer, O-U-T-E-R. Now, this is what they do. They do outdoor furniture. Now, it's all done online, but I know how you love innovations. Yes. Give, so, me, give me a change. So if you're online looking at the outer furniture, and it's the highest quality, the most durable, it's 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 light, it's easy to move around, but there's innovations they've done that you are going to love. One of them, I still want to see the furniture set up outdoors. You know what they do? Like, say, you're where you live. Mm-hmm. You would go online, put in your zip code, they would pull up, How many people around you have bought outer furniture, and these people say you can come see it at their house? Oh, wow. You go in your own neighborhood and look for it. A real live testing. Yeah, and here's the other one I love. Will they cook for us while we're there? Probably, but that's not part of outer's guarantee. Right. That's added. Listen to this. Do you hate the fact you have to cover and uncover your outdoor furniture? Put those big old covers over it when you're not using it or in the winter. I'm not a big cover guy, I'll be honest with you. Listen to this innovation. The covers are built into the furniture. You get up. Oh, come and on. You, you, just like you're pulling curtains down, you get up and pull the cover across all the cushions so oh, you don't yeah, have to keep I like that. Yeah. I like that. And then idea. come back the next day and yeah. just put it back and sit Oh, down. Pollen? Yeah. You know, we have a little pollen exactly. in our part of the country. So this is great. So this outer furniture, uh, stunning designs and you're going to love it so why don't you go right now and we're going to we're going to we're going to help you out we're going to point you there to live outer that's dot com slash Bubba, so you can go see this for yourself see the virtual showroom it's live com slash rickbubba to see this outer furniture for yourself and i mean you talk about high quality the best outdoor furniture that you have ever seen and you can get it shipped right to your house all right, so we're back on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Mike Pereira is our guest. So, Mike, I wanted to ask you this. You know, there seems to be sometimes what you don't want in an official is somebody who seems to want to be part of the game. You know, I want I want to be seen. I want to make a lot of calls. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be. You know, I don't like to be questioned. I, I, I hear every comment that's made by any player or any coach. But does but some of this what – what is the – I got my hair like a right. like it. What are you looking for in an official? First of all, let's start from a personality standpoint.
1: Well, I mean, obviously what I look for characteristics, I look for courage. I think it's very important to have courage. Um, I look at the ability of the official to concentrate. I mean, you have to concentrate on every single solitary play. I mean, we had a play last week where a fake punt went for a touchdown. That was great, that was great. Everybody loved it, except the offense, the kicking team only had 10 players on the field and only six on the line of scrimmage. So it never should have been allowed. Mm. Um, And that was a lack of concentration of not counting the players every play. So that's very important to me. Communication is extremely important to me because you have to work, you know, communicate with coaches that are upset. You know, you have the coach official confrontation, player to official, player to player. Communication is very important. And what I call a comportment, how they look on the field. I mean, you could you could take a look at, the, at Ed Hockley and you felt comfortable with him. You may not have liked him, but you felt comfortable with him because he was always in control. You felt he was in control. So, you know, those things are very important to me. But you go through stages. I've always looked at this, that you go through stages as an official. When you first become an official, you get on the field and you see nothing. I mean, you see (laughs) nothing. The game's a blur. It goes so fast. um, You don't recognize anything and that's your first stage. And then your second stage hits in a year or so. And then all of a sudden you see everything and you call everything (laughs) you see. And that's the official that interferes with the game and gets too involved with the game. And then you finally reach the level that you strive to be at and that every official wants to be. And that's when you see everything, but you only call what needs to be called. And and that common sense, as you talk about the university and common sense, that same common sense is what you need to reflect to see reflected on the field. And that's extremely important to me. And I I look at it and sometimes, you know, officials do go brain dead and they call a penalty at the end of a game for a, a player being offside when it has no impact, you know, those types of things you're trying to teach officials to incorporate into your thought process that you don't make those kind of calls. So you're right. Some people seem to be more involved with the game. But if you, if you really ask any official that gets to the level like that these guys are at right now, I mean, they don't want to be recognized as the focal point no. of the game. I mean, they, wanna be, they don't want to ever be talked about, quite frankly. Um, if they go through a game and the next day they read the papers and officiating is never mentioned, that's success. They're never going to be patted on the back. We know that. Um, but that's just the nature of officiating. So the, the less that is written about them after the game, the better.
2: Mike, if, uh, if someone listening, maybe they may be a former athlete or, uh, tied to the game somehow. And they, they're thinking, Hey, I may start a career as a referee and they want to get to the USFL level or the NFL. How how does that take place? How do people get started in this?
1: Well, it's just it's just, uh, you know, going to your it's easy to research the local high school association in your area, who I promise you, they are in dire need of officials. The number of officials is just the number is going down and down and down. People aren't assigned aren't uh, aren't signing up to officiate, partly because the sportsmanship has gotten so absurd on the youth level. The parents of. Basically, are running officials off the field, and and that's that's really sad. But if you go to your local association, um, you know they will they will love to have you sign up and get you involved. And if you're a veteran, you know we have a foundation. My wife and I do, Gail and I, to where um, if you're a veteran and you apply, go online and apply to battlefields ballfields.org battlefields the number two ballfields.org um, we will scholarship veterans to become officials we'll pay for their uniforms we'll pay for all of their uh all of their fees associated with um, becoming an official and and we'll basically sponsor them for a three-year period so we need them man do we need an official and the thing is you know if you haven't if you haven't done it, It's like, it keeps you, it's like, if you do it, you get involved in the game, you get involved with kids. And if you can work through the abuse that you get from parents, um, it's so much fun. And rewarding too, I mean, you you make some extra money. And so uh, um, we'd love to have anybody go on battlefields2ballfields.org and um, let our organization get you involved.
0: Well, uh, Micah,
2: I, I, you see your call coming in right here at the end of the podcast. <laughs> That's Gail. Yeah, you know, she's tell,
1: always checking on me. Tell her
2: say I heard an exciting new rule change. I want to look <laughs> at. <Yeah. laughs>
1: I must say, I must say to you, to you both of you, and and I know how you people are in the southeast. Great people. We just came off of Memorial Day on yeah. Monday. Yeah. Uh, Gail lost her father at 4 o'clock this morning, oh, 101 no, years old. Mm. Um, World War II veteran, was shot down over Austria, spent 16 wow. months in Stalag 17. Um, he's my hero. Amen. He was my hero. Never complained a day in his life. And she uh, called me this morning, and we lost him. Um, mm. 101. Left wow. A, wow. A, a wonderful life that he led, a meaningful life that he led as both a veteran and a teacher and administrator. And, and I know that all you people in your area and you Rick too, I know you will think about gail and Amen.
0: her family uh today well they will we'll have you guys in your prayers they don't make them like her daddy anymore and um you know that when those guys go out uh, it's a loss for for our entire country so uh so tell her that we will be praying with you guys and and mike uh, uh thanks for taking time to be with with us today and we are really enjoying our our friendship and and it's just a matter of time before we refer to you as our old friend, Mike Pereira. We're just a meal but,
1: away. But it's one thing about breaking bread together, but who pays? Do I have to pay? No, no we got no. you. Your money your is money, no good. Your money is no good no here. No good here, None. Sir. Yeah, you, hey, look, well, then I can get there tonight, I think. I think I can probably just, get there in time for a good Saturday night dinner somewhere.
0: Yeah, yeah, just don't tell my dad, a retired football coach, that I ate dinner and paid for it with an official. Uh, so, <laughs> Mike, thanks, buddy. And thanks to all of you for joining us on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast.